Greetings again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OSI Today, the podcast featuring news and views from around the Office of Special Investigations. I'm Wayne Amon from OSI Public Affairs, and in this edition, we continue our special series, My OSI Journey, which showcases the diversity and inclusion of our command-wide members. And today, I'm very pleased to be joined by the commander of OSI Region 6, headquartered in Hawaii, Colonel Benjamin Hatch. Colonel, welcome aboard. Great to have you with us. And aloha. Aloha, sir. Thank you so much for uh, welcoming me uh, to this important uh, podcast where I have a chance to kind of talk about uh, uh, my experience with, with OSI and the Air Force. Yes, sir. And uh, before we dive into some of the uh, meat and potato questions here, uh, I was uh, perusing your biography that uh, your folks graciously sent our way before we uh, began this uh, uh, podcast. And I noticed that you have such an eclectic background uh, in your uh, military career, uh, and, it, and it began in kind of an unusual way uh, from most folks in the military, in that you began as an enlisted troop and then crossed over into the officer ranks. Can you kind of spin up our, our listeners as to how that all came about for you? So, because it's a very interesting story, I think. Yeah, absolutely, Lane, and I appreciate the question. Uh, so... Uh, I, I grew up uh, in New England, and uh, from a very early age, I was uh, driven to uh, the military and having an opportunity for service. Um, so I, I enlisted in the Air Force. I had uh, spent a few years as a Civil Air Patrol cadet and had earned my Billy Mitchell Award, which gave me two stripes coming into the Air Force. I thought that was pretty awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh was able to, uh, on day four of basic training, hear some of the different opportunities um, that, the, uh, that, that the Air Force uh, had uh, when it came to uh, combat service or combat support type of uh, assignments. So right. um, the recruiter that, uh, that showed up um, had all these really interesting patches on and told uh, really his story of, uh, of working with the Army um, providing close air support, uh, uh, that, that connection between the air and the ground, and mm-hmm. I was drawn to it. So I, sure. I volunteered uh, for the attack air control party and, uh, and subsequently earned a Black Beret and uh, had some interesting assignments, uh, really in direct support of the Army, both from a uh, armor maneuver unit, uh, light infantry, and then also was able to support some uh, joint special operations forces. Wow. Wow. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so how did, how did that progress uh, for you then? Uh, uh, you know, you said you, uh, it sounds like in, in those kinds of specialties, especially working with the army, uh, it was, it was kind of a, a boots on the ground thing. You really were able to absorb what it's all about to be in the military where the action is. It was. So, uh, kind of looking back at it now, um, you know, I, I did that for nearly seven years and, um, you know, the experience uh, was really to kind of see the, uh, the the tip of the spear, you know, the edge of the battlefield where right. um, where, where really, uh, you know, you, you would potentially end up in harm's way. And, and many of the folks that uh, I served with uh, went on to, you know, to be wounded in combat. Uh, one, of the, uh-huh. one of the individuals I served with uh, was a Silver Star recipient. Sure. Um, so the, uh, you know, the, the experience I had in that really drove home uh, a sense of service, a sense of commitment and drive. Um, and 
but I can remember um, that there was one day as I was uh, merely maybe about four years into uh, my investment and I uh-huh. looked around and I was just thinking to myself, you know, what is it that I have to show uh, for, you know, the, my time in the military? Uh-huh. I can remember looking up and saying, I've got a, a big screen TV. Um, <laughs> and at that time, it was one of those ones that it was, uh, it was wider, um, you know, than it was long. Right, right. Um, I, I remember those days. Sir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I can uh, <laughs> and I had a car that wasn't paid for. Uh, so I oh, said, yeah. there, there, there's, there should be something else that I, I can have to show for my time in the military. So that, right. uh, that very day or the next day, I went and enrolled in college. And, uh, and and had a chance initially to uh, to earn my uh, community college of the Air Force uh, degree, and then eventually a, uh, a bachelor's degree. Uh, so this was uh, yeah. towards the late '90s, and um, some of the work that I was doing with the with the TACP community uh, included, um, you know, like the, a, a mobile and agile insertion op. Uh, type of uh, capability so we, right. we had a big big push for parachute operations so i was uh-huh. really involved in that um having opportunities to uh to travel up to alaska to you know to, to kind of show what would happen if uh tech P's parachuted in and were able to control uh, airplanes right um, and and then also was able to do that out here in hawaii so that was wow. uh, that was a, a pretty fun way to grow up for sure yeah um, yeah but, yeah, but uh, it also sounds like it was. Uh, it could be, I, I, as you said before, you saw the tip of the spear, and and there was an element of uh, you know danger involved. So, uh, uh, you know, you had to, uh, you know, look at the the bigger picture. It was something bigger than yourself, I would imagine. You said that that uh, wantingness to serve uh, really uh, took you at that time. It really did, and you know, I mean, just the sense of being there for your teammates, being there for the mission, and. Uh, you know, when things got tough, uh, if you're running out of options, you know, having that direct communication and being able to command and control uh, aircraft uh, flying in to provide that support uh, right. needed to, uh, you know, many times uh, it was the difference between, uh, you know, people succeeding in the mission, people uh, right. failing in the mission, and even life or death. So it was, uh, it was a great way to grow up in the Air Force for sure. Sure. Uh, now, sir, uh, shifting gears just a little bit now, uh, when and how did you become interested in law enforcement and uh, subsequently the uh, Office of Special Investigations? Yeah, so this really ties back to uh, to really the late 90s when I was uh, going through college and uh, in my TACP experience. Um, so I, at, at the time, I was initially interested in uh, trying to help people. So I, w- you know, I was thinking maybe I could become a counselor or maybe I could, uh, uh, you know, pursue uh, psychotherapy, something like that, just to, to really be involved with people and kind of help them through their problems. So I did an internship uh, as a child abuse and neglect uh, caseworker. Um, so helping support uh, you know, the, the direct involvement with families, uh, that we're, we're having some challenges and uh, some children that were uh, that really weren't being taken care of in the way that we that we'd want want the children to be taken care of. Right. And what I found through that experience was that you know not everybody uh, wanted to change for the better. Not not every family understood um, that what they were doing was wrong um, or was hurtful for children. And uh, so I started thinking like, is there another way to uh, to really help families? Um, 
you know, if, if they're not willing to change or not willing to uh, really help themselves out of the situation. Uh, and it's just kind of these thoughts were going through my mind. At the same time, um, we had uh, an OSI request come in to the TACTI community for some support controlling um, uh, the, the AC-130 gunship, using some of the capabilities on that gunship to support the OSI mission. So I was really intrigued, like, you know, why are these, uh, you know, at the time it was, uh, you know, really, a, you know, a, um, you know, criminal investigators, you know, these, uh, you know, these cops, like, why, why are they interested in uh, a capability like the AC-130? Um, so that got me interested in, um, in the, uh, uh, in really the organization. And then there was also in the media, some pretty significant headlines about uh, fraud recoveries that OSI was involved in, you know, right, multiple right. millions of dollars. So this all was kind of uh, coming together at the same time. Um, and then I had a really good run as a TACP. Uh, I had a great supervisor, uh, Staff Sergeant John Plano Ventura, uh, Tech Sergeant Ed Uhas. Um, who, who recognized, I think, something in me that maybe I didn't even see in myself. And they nominated me for uh, annual award, and, um, and I competed uh, very well at the squadron. I was the squadron uh, airman of the year. Uh, and then went up to the next level for Air Force Hawaii, uh, the ops group, and then the wing, and then Air Force Hawaii, and then was actually selected as the Pacific Air Force's airman of the year uh, for 1999. So uh, at the time, you know, I had won this big award. I had, uh, um, I was finishing up college. I had all these interesting, interesting kind of uh, tidbits come in about OSI and, uh, and different components of the OSI mission. And I just said, I, I got to do more of this. Uh, you know, this kind of aligns with my, with what I thought my career goals would be about wanting to help out children, wanting to help out families in need. Um, and it right. just seemed like a perfect match. So I, I applied uh, to OSI as, uh, as part of the commissioning program and was, uh, was picked up for, um, for OSI Special Agent Duty as an officer. So I was right. um, a direct commission uh, selection as a second lieutenant. Wow. Uh, an amazing story. That's for sure, uh, Colonel. Uh, now, uh, fast forward just a little bit. Uh, were there any challenges that you faced once you joined OSI? And uh, how did you overcome them if, if there were some significant challenges for you? Well, there definitely uh, was some challenges kind of working through with uh, like a little bit of the culture uh, change, right? I mean, I went from uh, wearing a uniform every day to wearing uh, a suit and tie. So that was a little bit of an adjustment. Um, and then the, <laughs> how, to, uh, how to expand that wardrobe <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I really didn't have one. So it was, uh, it was a big transition. Right. Uh, and then coupled with, you know, just, just becoming, uh, you know, a leader for the first time uh, when, when I had had such a support role as an informal leader or as a, as an NCO um, you know, helping manage things, helping, uh, helping drive mission success. But now, um, you know, I was put in positions where I was, was responsible uh, for others and responsible for the mission. So uh, in OSI, we really do value experience. We value, uh, and what that equates to mostly is value and competence. Um, so I worked with some, some really solid experienced people um, and they were of, of lower rank than me. I mean, they were uh, many times, uh, 
you know, E fives or E six, and here I was as a second lieutenant, thinking that I would, uh, I would, you know, be in charge. But I, you know, I, uh-huh. they had the experience, so I, I listened yeah. to them and I listened to what they had to offer, and 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 learned. In uh, doing so, I think really set me on a path for understanding the value of the team and understanding the the value of the contributions of our team members. Right. Right. It, it and, sounds almost like, excuse me, sir, for interrupting, but it sounds like, yeah. you know, you, you subscribe to the uh, uh, notion that, uh, you know, knowledge is indeed power and, and, and is uh, valued very much, especially in OSI. In OSI, um, we, we, give, uh, we give a lot of respect to the, to the things that you know uh, and the skills that you bring. Uh, and I think that is one of the reasons why uh, we have embraced uh, diversity, why we've embraced being inclusive. Is because we realize that uh, that there's not one person, there's not one type of person that is a good fit for OSI. It is really that collection of uh, of, of diverse skills and experiences, um, and really folks that come from different places, uh, different walks of life, um, you know, and, and can bring and contribute in, in these different ways that enable us to be more effective. Oh, very, very uh, true. No doubt about that, Colonel. Uh, shifting gears just a little bit, uh, who or what inspires you to do your best in OSI? I guess especially now that you're uh, a region commander. Yeah, I mean, as I as I kind of look around uh, the region out here, I mean, we cover 52% of the world, and uh, we have had a national defense strategy that's put the Pacific, the Indo-Pacific theater, as the priority for the Department of Defense. It's understanding that uh, that if we don't get after the mission, if we don't get after the priorities, if we don't deliver the OSI we need, then we may lose, right? If we don't accelerate change in a way that we need to, to, uh, to be successful, that we could lose. So I'm inspired by, by an understanding of what's at stake uh, and then what that means for the people that's within the command that, that they need the support, that they need the, the training, the resourcing, the equipment necessary to get after the mission, to do the things that only we as OSI uh, professionals can do. Right. And, uh, and really, uh, I just want to support them. Uh, I want to be part of the team that enables their success and, and that provides that drive, that provides that clear, uh, clear direction and vision that our efforts align with the priorities, both of our command, our greater organization, OSI, our Air Force, our Department of the Air Force, as well as uh, Department of Defense and the U.S. government. You right. know, along the way, supporting our allies, our partners, there's just so much at stake uh, sure. that uh, I, I, it just really inspires me to do the best I can uh, for the people that enable our mission. Right. That uh, kind of it creates a nice segue for our next question, Colonel, and that is, uh, what is the most gratifying part of your job with OSI? What really makes it happen for you? I think what, uh, what makes it happen for me is uh, the times when uh, the culmination of our efforts finds the truth. When we have, uh, we have questions where people want answers, sometimes they want answers really fast that uh, the professional men and women, uh, uh, the OSI airmen who are out there finding the truth and can deliver uh, an answer back to a, a really serious or important question and do so in a way that uh, it's, it's unbiased, that it's, it's not influenced by outside sources or, mm-hmm. or, or means that right. 
what we what we tell them uh, is is what the is the information available at hand that is the truth and uh and that's that's very powerful i think sure sure sir let's uh, uh put on uh, uh kind of a different hat if we will just for a second and i realize that hindsight is always twenty twenty. but if you could do it all over again is there anything that you would change about your osi career yeah i think uh you know, the, the longer I've been in, and um, it's nearly 28 years of total service now, um, is just an appreciation of the perspective of those who may be senior than me. Um, I can remember uh, I was, you know, I was very interested in uh, in working in different strategy types jobs. I had applied for an advanced studies program and was selected for it. Uh, but I had a call from an OSI senior later saying, we'd really like to put you uh in this job where we think that you could really um, benefit uh, some of the interest areas of the command. Right, right. Um, you know, that, that message didn't align with uh, what I thought my goals were at the time. Uh-huh. Um, but I said, yes, I mean, that's, that was my job was, uh, you know, that, that's what they needed me to do. So I, right. you know, I said, sign me up, send me wherever you need me. And looking back at, uh, at what that opportunity presented to me, was um, was things that still benefit me today, um, right. even even after a number of years. The, the experiences that I was able to uh, to go through in that job, um, the uh, the relationships, the networking, um, and just the knowledge that came from from that experience uh, has made me uh, a better leader. It's made me a better airman. It's made me uh-huh. a better special agent. So yeah. I uh, I'm grateful. Um, for that opportunity and, uh, and looking back at it, uh, that, that perspective, uh, that came from those who had, uh, who had walked in these shoes uh, before me and were able to offer up, uh, you know, their, their, their vision as to how, uh, my skills could better be used uh, to further the OSI mission. Right. Right. Very well said, Colonel. Uh, speaking of uh, vision, uh, what direction do you envision OSI going into the future? Yeah, I think we're only going to get uh, get better. We're only going to get uh, uh, more relevant um, as we as we have senior leaders who uh, who have you know who have sweat, who have bled, they have uh, right. they have gone through the successes, they've gone through the challenges of OSI and the combat zones, mm-hmm. and they see the skills that we bring, and they see the uh, the capabilities that we offer that only we offer. Right. And uh, we'll, we'll continue to, to really see OSI take a predominant role in, uh, in, in counterintelligence and in, uh, in support to force protection. Uh, really, as we look at all domains, more, more involvement in cyber. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sure. then with a the new Space Force, like, you know, uh, lots of opportunities now to see how we're going to support and enable space operations. Right. Right. Um, so things that, uh, you know, when I, when I first came into OSI that, uh, you know, that was, um, just before nine 11, um, uh-huh. when I applied for, uh, for OSI and then, you know, graduated to the OSI economy shortly after nine 11, right. uh, that, you know, as we transition away from, uh, really supporting, uh, predominantly counterterrorism to now great power competition, right. um, and, the in advancing some initiatives uh, throughout all domains that uh, OSI will, will be a key partner and, and the work that 
that the men and women of OSI have done, um, you know, all the way back to our start, um, you know, back to the 1940s that, uh, sure. yeah. that, uh, you know, we're really seeing the culmination of that. Yeah. Yeah. 70 plus years strong. That's OSI. No doubt about that. Uh, Colonel, uh, you uh, alluded to this earlier, um, but I think it bears repeating. Why in your mind is diversity and inclusion foundational to the success of OSI? Yeah, we just cover so much. I mean, we, we cover, uh, we're, we're involved in so many things that we, there's not one particular uh, career field that, that you can come from or a skill set that you can have that would make us uh, as effective as we are. We have to have uh, a diverse uh, membership of OSI. So that way, you know, we can talk to those that we need to talk to, that people are right. comfortable dealing with us because they see someone who looks like them, that uh, they hear somebody who speaks like them, who has right. been, uh, who has grown up in their environment um, or has family ties to, uh, uh, you know, the communities uh, that they were raised in. So uh, it really, it makes us better. It makes us stronger. Uh-huh. Uh, it makes us, uh, it makes us relevant. Um more so than we would ever be if we tried to just only have one one particular size fits all approach sure. towards towards uh, policing, law enforcement, and special agent work. Right, sir. Uh, for a second, let's put on uh, your recruiting hat if we can, shall we? Uh, what advice would you give someone who would like to join OSI? Hey, let me start by offering up for those uh, who may be interested in uh, pursuing a leadership uh, role in OSI. Okay. Um, we're, we're really looking for individuals who, uh, who are not only technical experts, but who can, uh, who can assume the, that charge, that responsibility to lead, that, that they enable others to mission success. That it's not just about them being technically competent anymore. It's using those, those technical skills to advance the mission. And right. we, we really need leaders who, uh, who come in as officers, uh, to, uh, to be responsible for unit success. Um, right. So I think that that perspective is important when you're considering coming into OSI is that uh, as an officer, we need you to lead, uh, but we need, we need you to be skilled as well. So it's that balance. And it's that understanding that when you come into OSI as an officer, that you will have uh, uh, that, that responsibility, that obligation uh, to be in charge of, of a unit, to be in charge of others, to be in charge of those resources uh, yeah. that enable mission success. Um, and for, for folks who, uh, who are interested in applying for OSI, I would just say, if, if, if you're interested in, uh, in having a job where it, it's of, of service to something bigger than yourself, if you're interested in helping others, if you're interested in finding the truth, um, you know, these, these are the, uh, these are the attributes. These are the things that, um, that will make you, I think, really fit in well in OSI. Um, you know, the respect, the trust, like these, these things come with, uh, with the gold badge and, uh, and you have to earn it every day. So right. it's hard work. It's, uh, it's, it's a requirement, uh, to never give up, uh, it's, it's it's to get to continue with a mission in a way that uh, at the end of the day you can say I did all I could do uh, in furtherance of uh, this 
you know, this problem and furtherance of uh, this challenge uh, or this opportunity. So it, it's that type of person that we're, we're looking to have in OSI, you know, those, the self-starters, um, you know, uh, the, the individuals who, uh, who want to contribute uh, to team success, um, you know, lots of great things can come uh, when folks are committed to, to, uh, to those types of, uh, of actions. Very well said, Colonel. Sir, before we wrap things up today, uh, is there anything else that you'd like to add? For me to say thanks, uh, thanks to you and for OSI for allowing me to share a little bit of my story. Uh, what I do hope is that, uh, that people uh, get a better appreciation of, of the many different uh, beginnings uh, for folks that, that they may have when they come into OSI. Um, and then what that beginning may mean in terms of the value that they can have for their contributions for our great organization, um, and, you know, the, as OSI Airmen. Um, so thank you for this. Thank you for the chance to talk through, uh, uh, you know, what's, what's important to me and what's important to our command and really you know, help me tell my story. And it's been our pleasure, Colonel. Our guest has been Office of Special Investigations, Region 6 Commander, Colonel Benjamin Hatch. Colonel, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Really appreciate it. You got it, sir. Thanks again. And, and thanks. And you too. Aloha. <laughs> and thanks to all of you listening for tuning in. For OSI Today, my OSI journey, I'm Wayne Amon saying so long for now.